Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're gearing up for the State Fair of Texas, which starts September 29th. We'll chat about this year's finalists and which dishes we want to try. Then we'll hear from Gigi and Amber Fletcher of Fletcher's Original Corny Dogs, which is celebrating its 80th anniversary this year. It's going to be really fun, and it all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited to have you here for our show. This is going to be a good one, so be sure to visit dallasnews.com slash food after this for detailed show notes of everything we talk about. And if you want us to answer your questions or talk about something specific, send us a voice memo via our form at dallasnews.com slash food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking to Gigi and Amber Fletcher of Fletcher's Corny Dogs, as well as Healthy Lunches. But right now, I'm joined by food reporter Sarah Blaskovich and our new producer, Julie Fisk. Hi, Julie. We're so excited to have you here. I'm such a big fan of the show. Like, I am so happy to be here. I've been listening to you guys for so long. So doing this Aww. with you, I feel like I'm sitting at the cool kids table. And so you've got a big week ahead of you, Julie. You're seeing your kid off to college. This Friday, we are driving Emma, my oldest, down down to Austin. She's going to start UT Aww. and we're pretty much a mess. <laughs> oh, wow. That's such a big deal, Julie. It's so happy and so sad all at the same time. But I thought of you guys because every night we're trying to make like one of her favorite meals. Last night we made this couscous risotto. So it gets real creamy with asparagus. Another big favorite, yeah. we make this white lasagna. That's really good. A weird one is like we have Brenner. For some reason, my family loves Brenner, you know, breakfast for dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and you know, those little orange orange cinnamon rolls, like the Pillsbury ones in the can. Mm -hmm. Yes. If I make those, I'm like a freaking hero in my house, <laughs> which I feel like is such a cheater thing to do. But when I make eggs and cinnamon rolls, everybody goes nuts. That is such a fun little mom tip. I feel like we could spend hours in the kitchen making something from a fancy cookbook. And then our kids are like, could you please make the Kraft macaroni and cheese tomorrow? That is just some real life stuff there, Julie. When I was going off to college, I went to school at Mizzou and I didn't realize until I got there that there was no Tex-Mex. Oh. You know, being born and raised in Texas, I just thought like the food that we eat all the time is going to be in this new place. And it was and so several months after I started college, my mom came up to visit me and she brought salsa from our favorite Tex-Mex place in Plano. It's called El Norte. I've been going there my whole life and their salsa is really wonderful. But just a pint of salsa from my favorite place driven 10 hours was like the happiest moment and really made me feel like I was at home. So I know that Emma appreciates all that you've done for her, Julie. And if there are little things from DFW that you can take her down to Austin in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, I bet she'd love that too. Oh, absolutely. One of her favorite things, oddly enough, is the pickled asparagus oh. from Slovakia. 
hibachics on the drive down there. So anytime we go to visit, we got to bring her her pickled asparagus, which sounds disgusting, but it's actually really good. (laughs) That sounds like a dorm room staple too. That's like the kind of thing that can sit without needing like a serious refrigeration device. So Sarah, I have to ask though, your Missouri friends, when you fed them your salsa, your real deal salsa, was it like too spicy for them? I didn't feed it to them. This is such a good question. I did not share that salsa with my friends. That was very much mine. Well, that's awesome. That's you're a great mom, Julie and Sarah. You had a very sweet mom too to yes. drive salsa ten hours to you. That's sweet. And of course, that's a big memory, a big food memory. Moving on, Sarah, you found a headline that caught your eye this week that kind of rocked your world. Yeah, I'm upset about this. <laughs> uh, the headline is: Is the five second rule real? And anybody who's read the internet for more than 10 minutes knows that when there's a question like that, the answer is often no. (laughs) And the answer is often shocking. And this Bon Appetit story tells us what we don't need to know, which is that the five second rule is not real. And if you drop food on the floor or if your children do and you pick it up between zero and five seconds, it absolutely gets any virus or whatever could be on your floor on it before you have time to pick it up, blow it off and give it back to them. And this (laughs) for me is super heartbreaking because I'm a mom who lives by the five second rule most of the time. You know, of course we don't drop food, you know, in a public place and pick it up. But if it falls on my floor or on my table, pick it up and eat it. I made that for you. Right. Right. And so um, I'm heartbroken to tell everybody that uh, the five second rule is BS and that if you drop your food, you're not supposed to eat it. Oh man. So blowing it off doesn't help. (laughs) It's not. Damn. You guys are moms. Like, is this the shameless thing you've done too? Oh, for sure. Like I have certain rules, you know, usually I'll blow it off if there's, you know, visible dog hair, but then there's, you know, there are certain boundaries. Yep. It kind of depends on what the food is. Like if it's a dry food, like a cookie to me, in my mind, that's less likely to pick up things rather than something sticky and wet or something like that's just gross it depends more on the food that fell right it's like if it's the last chicken nugget it's gonna get eaten and sometimes germs are good you know builds the immune system that's what i tell myself also I tell myself a lot of things, apparently, that are incorrect. No, that's the real mom hack is just like telling ourselves we're doing a great job. Yes. That's half the battle. Yes. Thank you. I think the headline is, hey, mom, you're doing your best, and that's good enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so moving on to something else that caught my eye this week, that viral Dr. Oz video. I guess it was some sort of campaign. You know, he's running for something in Pennsylvania, and he had this video of him supposedly grocery shopping. <laughs> To pick up items for a crudite platter. I think his point was to show how expensive things are. And, you know, he blamed it on Biden. He sure did. At the end. But most things in the video did not make sense. Like, he didn't even have a cart. He was just, like, picking things up and holding them. (laughs) He was like, here's a broccoli. Which, first of all, here's a broccoli. Like, who says that? And you'd like to think that Dr. Oz has seen a broccoli before. But hopefully that he hasn't referred to it as a broccoli. I know. You would hope so. Yeah. So, yeah, he was making a crudite platter. So he picked up broccoli, uh, raw asparagus, a one-ton bag of carrots, (laughs) and then prepackaged guacamole and salsa. So I'm like, A, what kind of crudite platter is this? Yeah. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, where are your tortilla chips, Dr. Oz? Exactly. The guac and the salsa in Texas is eaten with tortilla chips. Exactly. So I don't know. Do you guys have some grocery shopping tips for Dr. Oz? Because uh, apparently he's never been before. You know, taking a cart is a really good idea. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Having a list, also a fine idea. 
And then uh, me and all the regulars out there don't talk into our phones when we shop. We really just right. grab the normal stuff, put it in the cart and pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing at, about that is it was just yet another example of how we can politicize anything. Oh, right. At the end, it was it was such a jab. And I'm not here to suggest that food is not political. It is. Mm-hmm. But... I just love the idea that maybe you can go into the grocery store and not make it political sometimes. Right. I come from a family where we don't talk about politics and not because we don't care about it, but because publicly it's um inappropriate, right. I would say. And I, I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but I'm just here to be like, can we go to the grocery store? Can we talk about food? Maybe this is why I love restaurants and food so much is that this topic of politics, which just makes me uncomfortable in general, um, is a smaller part of my job. It's more about the food and the people and the businesses. And I'm like, all right, guys, we're back to the politics once more. And I would like to add the whole concept of salsa and a crudite platter. That used to be like a diet tip that you would eat your carrots in salsa, which enraged me. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Thanks for bringing it back to what we really need to talk about, Julie, which is what belongs on a crudite platter and what doesn't. Some ranch. Yeah, just put the ranch on the plate. Thanks, guys. Um, and back to the topic of State Fair. Sarah, I know you are on top of this. So uh, the State Fair announced its 10 fried food finalists. Mm. They're called the Big Tex Choice Awards finalists. There are actually two that are drinks and eight that are food. Not all of them are fried. So it's a fun twist this year because there are some unexpected foods. Of those 10, I tried five of them before breakfast that day. I think I'd consumed all of them by like 7.15 a.m. I could have tried all 10. I just should be honest. But it just seemed like a lot for one lady that early in the morning. And I try all these foods again and again. So I promise everybody that I will get to the other five and then I will eat all 10 on opening day. And me and a team of people rank them and put out a story opening weekend that says these are the best and these are the worst. Because if you add up all 10, they cost usually at least $200 if you were to buy all of them. And we've already gotten ourselves into the fair, right? We've already given our kids too much money to lose that ring toss game four times in a row. So the fair can be quite an expensive situation. And so my suggestion would be read that story on dallasnews.com slash food when it comes out and then buy a couple, buy two or three that are really worth your time. So I hope to provide that information. But let me tell you about a couple that I liked. So there's a horchata milkshake. Yeah, that sounded good. It's cool. And there's a churro in it and then a straw stuck through the middle of the churro. A fun little side note about this thing when I was trying it, it had caramel on it. And I don't know how this happened, but I had handled this milkshake so much that I had sticky caramel in my elbow crease. (laughs) Like, so I was carrying a reporter's notebook and I was carrying my phone and I was carrying two or three food items. And 10 minutes later, I looked down and my arm is so sticky, like stuck together because of that horchata milkshake that I'd somehow gotten in my elbow of all places. (laughs) So this is I just want everybody to know that the life of a food writer is super hands-on and a little bit dangerous. Yes. uh, And a lot sticky. (laughs) That is the the behind-the-scenes info that we need. This is exactly right. Uh, And so I I like this milkshake. I'm excited to try it again. It was very sweet for anybody who Mm. wants to know. Yeah. Let's see. I tried a brisket biscuit (laughs) called the Holy Biscuit. Mm -hmm. And I just love saying brisket biscuit, first of all. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is from Isaac Russo, who has been a 10-time winner or finalist at the Big Text Choice Awards. Dude knows what he's doing. This is a biscuit with bacon and brisket and uh, street corn queso Mm. kind of draped over all the smoked meat. 
it was incredibly hearty and a biscuit as the bread is a little bit tricky because it's kind of crumbly. Oh yeah. But there's really an idea here. And I think he'll sell a lot of these because whether you're from Texas or not, if you see something like this with the queso and the barbecue and the biscuit, it just seems like the kind of thing that you should buy and eat at the fair. My very favorite bite was the fried charcuterie board. So the only thing they don't fry is the actual board. No, no cutting boards were placed (laughs) inside a wonton wrapper. Thank God. But it is salami, prosciutto, mozzarella, and some tiny sliced green apple Yummy. in a little wonton wrapper, deep fried, and then topped with a little dollop of goat cheese and hot honey. And y'all, that hot honey, it's hot in temperature and it's hot in spice. So okay. two hots. Um, so good. Huge fan. I'm definitely excited to try it again. And a cool fact about the fried charcuterie board is it was created by a 22-year-old who is like a fourth generation concessionaire. You know, her parents were involved in their parents before them. And, you know, she's born into this. Cool. And so she's just finishing college. And this is the first dish she's created all on her own. And she became a finalist. So I love that story. I want to get to know her better. And I'm excited to eat her food again. Yeah, that one sounded the most delicious to me that I wanted to try. I also like that not all of them are fried now. Yes. I kind of like that variety. Because before it was like you would try so many fried things you didn't even like recognize the food. Yeah, it got a little scary for a couple years. Yeah, like I'm (laughs) not sure what I'm eating. The fried Snickers or the fried Oreo. What's the difference? Yes. Um, So for anybody listening at home, I'll just list off all 10 so that you can start dreaming and drooling now. There's five savory, the fried charcuterie board, deep fried BLT, deep fried lasagna, chicharron explosion nachos, and the holy biscuit, which I hope we all instead call the brisket biscuit. And then the five sweets are cha-cha-chata, which is the horchata milkshake, la blue bonnet, which is a drink that is the color of a blue bonnet. Kind of fun. Peanut butter paradise, deep fried Rocky Road fudge, and something called the ultimate Brookie monster, which I would love to do an entire segment about because I have a little girl named Brooke and Aww. she is the ultimate Brookie monster. <laughs> but I would love for my little Brookie to try the ultimate Brookie monster. And I think we all need that photo. So y'all yes. stick with me. I'll take her to the fair and Brookie will eat the Brookie. Absolutely. I have a suggestion for a future segment as to how to manage the lines at the state fair. Because one of the things mm-hmm. that always keeps me from trying this stuff is the line. When you show up, and yep. there's such a line. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to get a corn dog instead. Where the lines are also long, but they move fast. <laughs> Julie, you want tips. I'm your girl for tips. Mm-hmm. We'll come up with some stuff. We also want to know what you guys want to eat at the fair this year. So send us an audio clip or an email to eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Coming up next, we're talking to Gigi and Amber Fletcher of Fletcher's Corny Dogs. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW. We have some really special guests for you on the show today. Fletcher's Original Corny Dogs is celebrating its 80th anniversary at this year's State Fair of Texas, which begins September 30th. We are pleased to have mother-daughter duo Gigi and Amber Fletcher here on the show to chat with us about the tasty beginnings and future of Fletcher's. Hi, Gigi and Amber. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Good. We're so excited to talk to you. 
Eating a Fletcher's Corny Dog is such a quintessential Texas experience and has been so for 80 years. But for folks who are new to the area or might not know all of the history, could you guys just tell us a little bit about how Fletcher's began? I think Amber's going to speak to you a little bit about that, even though I was there before she was. (laughs) She's great with all the dates. Okay. So the family likes to call me the little historian because I'm always rereading articles and photos. And I just love like the genealogy of the Fletcher family. So Fletcher's original State Fair Corny Dogs started in 1942. But before that, it was my grandfather and his brother and my grandfather's wife, Minnie, they were actually in vaudeville and they were performers. And they had a company for about 10 years that performed on the side of Haskell Street and tent performances until eventually towards like the late 30s, the fire marshal shut them down. But they were fourth and fifth generation of actors and performers. They were showmen. And towards the end of that era, they actually got a gig at the State Fair of Texas in 1937 and in 1938. And in that year of 38 is when they were offered the opportunity to have a food booth on the fairgrounds. Not being much of, you know, in the restaurant industry and being performers, they didn't really know at first what they could introduce, but they were as the story goes, inspired by a local baker that had a dish of cornmeal and hot dog and it was baked or some kind of meat. They liked it, but the process was time consuming. It took too long, but they really wanted to see what they could do with it to create something new and something fun for the State Fair of Texas. And that's when they came up with the idea of developing the perfect batter that would be kind of adhere to the hot dog like a glue. It had to have a certain taste, texture, crunch. They said it took them a couple of years to figure out the exact recipe. My grandfather's brother, Carl, had the idea of putting it on a stick, which just, it's genius. But they introduced it in 1942 at the State Fair of Texas. And in that year, they did about $8,000, which I believe today would be about $120,000. And they sold them for 15 cents. It was said that nobody even knew what it was, that they had to give them away. And once somebody had a taste, they came back, they turned into lifelong fans and customers. And here we are 80 years later selling the exact same product that my grandfather started with. That's amazing. So why do you think Fletcher's is just so popular? What are some of the key elements that make it a true corny dog? Well, we believe the reason for that are several things, just from the physical aspect of the the corn dog, or corny dog as we call it, is our batter. And our batter has been a secret recipe. It's different, maybe not as secret anymore, you know, but it's different from some and most other corn dog mixes in that uh, we do have special ingredients in it. And that is the same recipe as Amber said that has started back in 1942. And we also have our meat, which we love. And we have that specially produced for us by Syracuse Sausage, which is local uh, here in Ponder, Texas. And it has a special smoke flavor to it. I always say when I taste of one, which I still do after all these years, and that's just historically what Fletcher's do. I have to have a taste almost every event that we have. And if I taste of it and I immediately smell the smoky flavor that comes from the hot dog, and the spices that are in it. And then I get that first crunch, as we say, which comes from our special mix, then I know I've got the best corny dog that there is. I, of course, we feel not only in the state of Texas, but in the world, and there are no other corn dogs around that taste like ours does. 
We often have people say they enjoy the sweetness of it and the honey flavored, and we immediately go, mm, that's not us. <laughs> we don't have sweet, we don't have honey in our mix. It's just a cornbread type batter. And we also believe that ours is special because we have that tradition over the years. You know, it's all about an experience in the food industry today. And our fans come out and they're several generations, just like our family is. Many of the people that come out today will tell us stories about how they came out with their grandparents and had their first Fletcher's corn dog and they've been raised on it. Yeah, it's definitely the highlight of my fair experience. I can't really go to the fair without having a corny dog. And that's amazing that you've kept the same recipe for so long. But I know you've also branched out into other creative dishes and things that you've added to your lineup. Well, I would say that from 1942 until I think about 2004, we only had one product and that was the original. Mm -hmm. um, but my dad loved spicy. He loved jalapenos. And so that's when they introduced the jalapeno and cheese corny dog. And my dad used to joke. He said he loved it so much. He felt like he was cheating on the original. <laughs> and and we, do too. We, we love our original corny dog and we love the jalapeno and cheese. And then several years later, my dad wanted to introduce the turkey, what we call a bird dog, which I think is just the cutest name. It's a bird dog. And people will ask us what it means. It, it's turkey. Yeah. And I think they introduced that because they wanted to give a healthier option or a leaner option. I don't know if you remember the whole trans fat free was a huge craze in like the early 2000s. And I think we were maybe trying to jump on that boat. It was really popular for those that don't eat beef or they don't eat pork or maybe they're trying to watch their figure at the state fair. <laughs> I got my degree in health science and I had been talking with my parents about a vegetarian option, but we also would receive emails from people that would say, you know, please add a vegetarian, whether for, you know, religious reasons or dietary reasons, they can't eat meat. So in 2015, we introduced vegetarian and every year it is growing with and popularity as more and more people are choosing to have a vegetarian option. And we have several more products. Like in 2021, we came out with the Make Mine Texan, which is an all beef. Mm -hmm. But really when we're introducing new items, because we're not typically doing trendy or, you know, these eye-catching crazy things, we're doing things that our customers are requesting of us. We want a Fletcher's Corny Dog to be the one item that everyone can participate in at the State Fair of Texas. It's such a tradition. It's synonymous with the State Fair. So I would never want someone to go and be like, I couldn't have one because blank. Right. Now, if they wanted a corn-free Corny Dog, that's where we would have to draw the line. <laughs> but in 2021, we did introduce the Dallas Hot we didn't have a fair in 2020. So when we were coming back, you know, we were so excited and we had been talking about the Big Tech's Choice Awards, but really we just wanted to do something fun and crazy and different. And so that's when we took our original recipe. We spiced up the batter. It's got kind of a, a Nashville hot seasoning packet going on that we had specially made for us. We're frying it. We're cutting it in half, smothering it with mac and cheese, which was one of my childhood favorites, like most people. But then we wanted to kick the heat back up and it's drizzled with Cholula. It's got fried jalapenos and it's just this gooey, gooey, spicy Southern mix of yumminess. But really we want to introduce things that our customers are going to love. And we want to introduce things that occasionally are a little fun and outside the box. So when it comes to condiments, 
for your corny dog, I know that there's an unwritten rule that it basically has to be mustard or you will be just totally chastised. Where did that come from, the mustard? It's always been mustard. Oh, okay. And I think that was probably a Southern addition when uh, Papa Neil first started it. And in fact, it took many years before he would even allow anything except mustard. (laughs) From 1942 until 1994, you could only get mustard as an option. If you wanted ketchup, you had to go to the burger guy across the way. And eventually the burger guy was like, stop sending Mm -hmm. your customers over here. So 94, we gave in so that folks like Aaron Brooke could have ketchup on her corny dog and not have to go across to the burger guy. And we have a particular mustard that we use that we think, again, goes with our blend. Now we will see people show up with their little jars and squeeze bottles of French's of mayonnaise, packets of ranch. I mean, we've seen everything under the sun. And then, of course, there are all the virgins who just love to have nothing. And the corn dog is incredible without anything on it. Let's talk about the pandemic a little bit and how you all had to pivot when there was no state fair in 2020. In 2019, my brother and I wanted to purchase a couple of food trailers. And so we got two food trailers and we started doing more festivals and events and catering. And I remember in early 2020, so innocent and <laughs> excited yes. for the year and all these events that we started to gather. And then I remember, you know, essentially when everything shut down, just the the fear of the unknown, but also losing all of those events. It was really scary. We got an opportunity to actually go serve at one of the police stations in Dallas. Right. And it ended up getting on the news. And from then it was police stations and hospitals and other type of first responders that we started catering for. We started catering for neighborhoods and bars so that they could open because you had to have food. And really something about 2020 was really a catalyst for what my brother and I had been trying to do, which was to go into more events and go into more catering and really expand the business into the community outside of the state fair. And we were just very blessed and fortunate that 2020 helped our company do that. It helped give our employees some work so they could have an income and it helped give people a break for five minutes from thinking about COVID when the state fair was canceled. It, it was traumatic. I think we, we cried. We didn't know what to do. Was this the end? Was it over? We got a email from Golden Chick who just said, you know, we heard about the state fair. We'd love to have you and put you in 187 of our restaurants and uh, have a partnership. We met with them several times. We got along great and ended up for eight weeks doing 187 stores during what would have been the state fair of Texas and got to sell corny dogs. And it wasn't just Texas, it was Louisiana and Oklahoma. And people didn't have to miss their fair tradition. It was just all such a blessing. As Amber said, we were shocked when the fair canceled because when we were younger, we used to tell them how, what a blessing it was that we had the state fair to go to. But I would always say, be sure and save because you never know something might happen to the state fair. And they told me years later, you know, mom, that just scared us to death that you would say that. And then when it happened, we were going, oh, man, that was wonderful advice, you know. And I guess it, like you said, Amber, it was a catalyst for expanding the business. What are you guys looking forward to in the future? I just want it to continue to be this beloved brand that it's been for 80 years and grow it in such a way that's very careful. We don't want to become something that we're not. We are also nationally delivered through Gold Belly now. 
that's been exciting for us. We've covered all 50 states now. That's always fun. I enjoy it so much because we're just like flower deliveries. The Corny Dogs on Goldbelly, it's a really neat system. You can go online to goldbelly.com and search up Fletcher's Corny Dogs. We have a variety of dogs available. And when you purchase yours, and we don't make that corny dog until the order comes in, and you get to pick what date you want them to ship. So if they're shipping on a Thursday, most likely they're being cooked on Monday or Tuesday, and then they're frozen, and they are uh, vacuum sealed, and then they're shipped off on that Thursday. So we try to produce a product that is as close to having a fresh Fletcher's corny dog as you can, only typically people are reheating them in the oven. Goldbelly has been great because for years people would email us, you know, hey, I have a wedding. How can I get Fletcher's corny dogs? I'm in Colorado. My favorite would be getting requests from pregnant women that don't live here and they want a Fletcher's corny dogs and those cravings are strong. And how can they get one and get one right now? Gigi, I know you're in the process of sort of handing over the reins of the company to the next generation of Fletcher's family members. Um, what has that been like to watch your kids and even your nephew move into leadership roles? Well, it's been really exciting for me. Um, I haven't quite gotten there. I mean, they're, they're ready to go and they're all stepping right into that position and showing their own strength, which is what I always wanted. And it's interesting to watch the things they, as children, even liked the most when they would come out and play work at the fair is exactly where they're ending up. It makes me really proud. We want to keep Fletcher's a family business as long as we can. And we have Amber and my son Aaron and my nephew WC. We also have Audrey, my granddaughter, in fact, is working. She's out on the computer now. I mean, even great-grandchildren that are cooking and, you know, learning the trade themselves. It's just great, and I expect it to go further and further, and I expect to be able to continue my, I call it, my escape plan. <laughs> so I could just go out to the fair and see the fair. And so, Amber, how do you plan to honor the legacy of the past, but kind of move the brand into the future? I believe that, you know, honoring the past, honoring my father and my grandfather's legacy is just taking the things that I learned from him, you know, the wisdom and the knowledge and the values and continuing with what he did and continuing in the way that he raised me and the knowledge that he gave <clears throat> me while making it more relevant to today and to future generations. I think there's a way to do that respectfully. One thing that I've always said I love about a legacy is that it's something that requires you to be outside of yourself and it's something that's bigger than just you. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that on a daily basis gets to challenge us. You know, like when I'm actually in the trucks or in the stands and I'm cooking and I'm, you know, hand dipping, I really feel so close to my dad. And I almost feel like I just start remembering conversations and things he said to me. It just kind of helps me feel like he's still here. I mean, we're going into 80 years. It's our sixth spirit without him. And so again, I just, I just want to do things that make him proud while getting to be the daughter he raised me to be. We've got some things coming up in the near future. We are getting a new food truck, which we haven't had. We've had food trailers. That's going to bring some new exciting adventures. To our listeners, stay tuned for Sarah Blaskovich to break the news on new things coming from Fletcher's in the future. But thank you so much, Gigi and Amber, for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you at this year's State Fair. Thanks so much. Up next, we help a listener find healthy school lunch options for her kids. That's right after this. Hey, listeners. This is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. 
What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. Welcome back. It's time to answer some listener questions. This week, we have a question from Regina about healthy school lunch ideas. Hi, this is Regina. I live in Dallas, and it is back-to-school time, which means that it's time for the daily lunch feeding. What can my daughter pack um, that's healthy and tastes good or something that I could fix that will help her come up with a healthy lunch? Because right now, she is existing off of talkies, so anything anybody can recommend would be great. We don't want her to get hangry in class. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Regina. First of all, did she call it the daily lunch beating? Is that what she's called it? (laughs) Oh, true. She nailed it. (laughs) Yes. That is how I also feel. It's a constant conundrum of mine. I think about healthy lunches for my son a lot. He is nine and in fourth grade now, which means he has lots of opinions about what goes in his food and what he eats. Like I used to be able to just sneak stuff in there and I'd never hear about it. But now it's like, you better not put that in my lunch. You know, I've let him eat the hot lunch at school. He likes that, but um, he also likes me to pack things for him. A variety is big now, and he wants to try a lot of hot foods. So I've been trying ravioli, pastas, any kind of meatball. I'll pre-make these meatballs with hidden veggies in them. And, Smart. And he eats those. Rice Krispie treats as a sweet. Um, so I think balance is kind of key. Put in the baby carrots, have a little Rice Krispie treat. Uh, what about you, Sarah? I know your daughter is starting, what is it, first grade this year? First grade, <laughs> yes. She goes to a school where lunch is free all the time. So it is my busy mom preference that she eats at school all the time because it would (laughs) cost our family nothing. Uh, However, when she was in kindergarten last year, she was nervous about that at the beginning of the school year. Mm -hmm. So we made a deal because that's my other parenting strategy is like you make deals with your kids where you win most of the time, but they get a little bit too. So our deal was I'll pack your lunch Monday, Wednesday, and you eat in the cafeteria Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. She had a really good friend in her class and me and this mom made this pact together. So I could say you and your friend are eating on the same days in the same ways. And she thought that worked. So we have that same plan this year with my hope to reel it back to just one day a week that I pack a lunch because my kids also went to a preschool since they were very young that has no cafeteria. So I've been packing lunches for both of my children's entire life. And again, it's not my favorite thing at all. Um, The way I look at lunches is it's like a picnic. It is not some culinary masterpiece and the things don't really go together. Mm -hmm. If you were to open a picnic basket, what's in it? So almost always raspberries because my children are nuts for raspberries and uh, almost always a piece of string cheese. Mm -hmm. I love to send a hard boiled egg and my children and I, we all love hard boiled eggs, like just a quick protein thing. It's finger food. You know, the little one likes it when the sunshine is taken out. The big one likes it if the sunshine is still in it. It's nothing glamorous, right? But if my kids are hangry, that's a little bit of protein, pretty good for you. We have a couple of prepackaged things that I'm cool with. And I think every mom needs to hear that those are okay. We always have goldfish from Costco. 
And a bag of goldfish is always, well, like three bags of goldfish are always in my purse. You just never know when you need a snack. So we don't do a ton of chips, but we like, I just like the idea that, you know, your kid also needs a little bit of carb and they think they're getting away with something if they get Pringles in their lunch. It's like a special day. So we kind of save them for the right time. Um, and as we all know, I was raised by a healthy mom. So most of the lunch is healthy, but I do slip in usually a cookie, something small, but something that makes them feel like special when they open their lunch. Yeah. And I'm not a write a note mom. I write all day long <laughs> yeah. and I forget to write them a note before school. And so I, I hug them and send them out the door and hopefully they know I love them even though their lunch doesn't say so. You can send them a link to your article. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what about you, Julie? I know you have a lot of experience because your, your kids are a little older. I haven't packed an actual lunch in a while just because they pack their own lunches. That's so awesome. They do that? Yes. So when does that start happening? Yeah, but you still have to buy the stuff at the store that they're going to like. Right. And I had a moment recently where I had specific things that I would always buy for Emma. And um, whenever I went to pull one off the shelf at Kroger, I started crying. Oh, Yeah, I'm a mess. But one thing that's, I think, important to remember when you are buying the things that they're going to pack in their lunch is to not buy the stinky stuff. Uh. Because this says garlicky. That sounds delicious to me. But then my daughter will not yeah. open it in her class or in the cafeteria because it's going to stink things up and she doesn't want to be that kid. And she doesn't want to have her breath stinking for the rest of the day, Yep, which is not something I considered right. when I would buy that stuff. But I also think it's important to remember, like, what do you pack for yourself when you're taking things to the office? What do you want? Everybody wants to have at least one thing in that bag that they're excited to eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to be healthy and you want to be a good mom, but you also just want to make sure they're eating something. That one thing they're like, oh, I got this today. That I think that goes a long way. Yeah. That's such a good tip. And try to enjoy it because packing lunches does not last. Uh -huh. Right. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Mine will probably be like when he's 30. Like, <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. Also, we want to hear from you. We want to know what y'all are eating, drinking, trying, and loving. We want your questions, too. So fill out our form at dallasnews.com food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on a future episode. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.